On today's episode of Quest, I'm joined by yoga master Lisa Bennett, the co-founder of Shaytree Center, and we'll be talking about how she got into yoga, her spiritual path, and her ambitious plans with Shaytree Center. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and this is Quest. For those of you that might be new listeners, let me tell you a little about me. I'm the founder of Metatomics and the author of the best-selling book, Metatomics, The Grand Design. I'm a philosopher, a theorist, a metaphysicist. I'm a perpetual pupil of theology, and I'm an expert in comparative religious study. I've also extensively researched the mind-body connection, anatomy, and physiology. I documented over 300 case studies while researching my book, all from a scientific perspective, with cases that ranged from near-death and out-of-body experiences to possession to past-life experiences, as well as the metaphysical, the paranormal, and other unexplained cases of a spiritual nature. This podcast will bring you some of those astonishing stories, and in some cases by the people that actually lived them. From time to time, I'll be talking about important perhaps even controversial issues from both spiritual and scientific points of view. The world we live in is ever-changing, and there's often a conflict between spirituality and science, and I wanted to bring you this podcast to balance that equation. It will show you how we know what we know, and there's still so much we don't know. For me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. It's the joy of discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. So I want to set up a little bit here on uh, episode one. This interview you're about to hear with Lisa Bennett was actually recorded in February at Shaytree Center, and I had really stockpiled a lot of episodes for the Quest podcast, and then the world kind of shut down. So it's felt rather self-serving to be putting out podcasts when everyone was really kind of quarantined and the the world went crazy. And uh, after, after quarantine happened, then we started to have protests and riots and all these other things. So I'm really only just now getting... Uh, these podcasts out, not only for Quest, but for the Unheard podcast, which is my kind of my sister podcast. And the first episodes are just going up. So I'm actually putting things up out of order. Most of the time uh, when I conduct interviews, I I generally don't make them too timely. I don't really cover, I say that timely, it sounds terrible, but the, I don't make them timely in terms of, I don't discuss much news or current events or topics that much. Um, so obviously this is one that happened before everything uh, kind of fell to pieces. 
so you don't really hear anything about that. And many of my podcasts coming up in the in the weeks to come, it'll be the same thing. It all ha- they were all recorded before COVID hit us, um, and then there will be some coming up that will be covering some current topics. So bear with me as I put these first six or eight episodes out out of order. Um, in some cases, I talk about when they were recorded. In some cases, I don't. This one was in February. Um, and it's a great story. Lisa really talks uh, about her life and what uh, got her into yoga and how we met. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy her interview. So here it is, recorded in February. Today, my guest is Lisa Bennett, who is a yoga therapist and founder of Shea Tree Center in Garrison, New York. Welcome to the show today, Lisa. Thank you, Todd. So I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a while. Um, we've known each other for a bit, almost 20 years, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. So a little backstory. A long time ago, a different version of Todd ran a dance education company. And uh, I wanted to include like fitness programs for the dancers. <clears throat> and one of them I wanted to do was maybe yoga for dancers, something like that which really wasn't around in that day. I think a lot of people, there were a lot of dancers that were practitioners of, of yoga, but there wasn't anything really kind of custom made for them. We didn't wind up implementing any fitness programs because we were just too busy uh, touring the program around anyways. But for some reason, we stayed in touch all mm-hmm. these years. Mm-hmm. We would always kind of like orbit each other. And uh, you've had a really, ex- yeah, but you had an exciting run up to that point. We're going to get into kind of how I saw you for the first time and why I was encouraged to to want to reach out. And you've done a lot since then. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty incredible to see it. So let's go let's go back to kind of how you got introduced to yoga and and just tell the listeners how you found it, because you were you were a model at the time when you found yoga. Is that accurate or not? No, actually. OK, my mother introduced me to yoga. Wow, okay. I was three. So even way further back. (laughs) Right, okay. Yeah, uh, I remember she actually took me to her dance teacher, which is even more interesting, just on our own connection. But um, she was taking a dance class and they had yoga there. and, And I have a very deep memory of lying down on the floor and I was three and she was teaching me how to breathe into my belly. Wow. And, uh, and then my mother and I ended up doing yoga presentations and shows at the different malls. <laughs> and then we even have a recording of the two of us doing yoga together to the age of Aquarius wow. when I was about five. So <laughs> it's been in my family for quite some time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So moving forward, mm-hmm. you had a significant modeling career. And at some point, you were introduced into Yoga Zone. Yeah. Is that accurate? Is that the right time frame? Fill me in on, on how sure. all that transition happened and what got you into that world. Because when I saw you for the first time, it was through Yoga Zone had a television show. Right. And I would see it at like two o'clock in the morning. It was on on like Travel Channel or some someplace. <laughs> and it was like the most soothing show to watch. Mm. I would be writing and doing things. And at like 2.30, it would come on and you'd be like, this is... Alan Finger would always come mm-hmm. on at the beginning and he would give like a little intro and then it would be like, here we are at the 
Grand Lido Sanssouci Resort and wherever, and it would be this beautiful sunset, and everyone's up on a big grassy hill, and it was everyone's pretty people, and it was just like the most relaxing thing. And I was like, wow, this is so cool, and I got to see all those people, and you were one of those people, and eventually your husband was was on there. and. Um, so how did that happen? How did that introduction happen? Because that's probably when you really started to take this very seriously. Yeah. Well, you know, you never want to do what your parents do when you're a teenager. So of course I got out of it and then you do want to do what they tell you not to do, <laughs> which was to get into modeling and they were both in the business. And so they're like, no, 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 don't do it. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that makes it more exciting. And so of course I went and did that track and it was a rough business for me and it took me to my knees and um, I always say that yoga saved my life, yoga and meditation saved my life because I really got, I hit a bottom in more than a few ways through that career and um, I remember going to my first yoga class, I was about, mm, I feel like 19, I mean after, as a young kid, right? and. Uh, sobbing at the end of the class and in in shavasana and, and just remembering like i'm home this is this is what i want to do and i went the next day and spoke to alan finger and said i want to be a teacher and and feeling a lot of regret for being in the modeling industry for a while just felt like it was a waste of time and it was really not such a a good thing even though i got to travel the world and do all kinds of beautiful and amazing things. It still really kind of, it wasn't my dharma. That's what, in hindsight, that's what I saw. But um, what was kind of exciting was that when Yoga Zone had the opportunity to be a TV show and do videos, it was, you know, and I had this camera in my face, I'm like, I know how to do this. And so all of a sudden it all felt like, oh, it was divine order. Like I needed that history to feel comfortable in front of the camera and then be able to put out into the world these teachings and so it all felt beautiful and appropriate and then we did um, we moved in the direction of, of more healing yoga which you I think have some awareness about the, the healing yoga videos we ended up doing right right yeah yeah and you met your husband on the set of that you're now your ex-husband but it, you met Charles on yoga zone mm-hmm and then you all did a lot of stuff together for a significant amount of time. Sure. So you had, you know, your Matkin yoga programs and different things. And, and just kind of talk about some of the highlights of, of, of working with him and some of the things that you did. You were involved, you got involved uh, like creating yoga as therapies for like common conditions and things of that nature. Could you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So Charles was an advisor to the Yoga Zone TV shows and videos, and my um, grandmother had um, passed away from cancer, and I remember I got so angry, and I'm like, I remember saying something to myself, like, uh, I had to do something about this. Like, I just didn't like the way that that whole process went down, and I remember making a promise on some level to, to do something about it, and it was like a vow. <laughs> And, uh, you know, just different family members had passed from, from different conditions. I had a grandfather passed away from alcoholism. And, you know, it just made me angry that it felt like, I felt like I should do something. Not that, I didn't, I didn't know if there was anything I could do, but I just felt like 
there's something I could do. And so right. um, towards the end of the yoga zone error, I had an um, opportunity to work with a doctor who actually had cancer himself. And he had, um, a, I don't know, a couple months to live according to his prognosis. And he started to do yoga and meditation and change his life. And he went into remission. And and he really um, took a step back and said, you know, there's so much I don't know. And at that time, hired uh, Charles and I to run the mind body therapies at his center. And it was such a fascinating experience because we had this unbelievable advisory board. And we came up with a different protocol for the nine top diseases um, that were you know, threatening everybody's lives. And yeah. so what would be the, the application of the different yoga? And so we had a chance to make some videos that would be for, you know, we keep it really simple, but yoga for common conditions, yoga for um, healing the body in different aspects, you know, if we were anxiety, depression, all of that. And then um, unfortunately that's when 9-11 happened. And wow. so everything kind of shifted a bit, and that's when we moved up to Garrison and just kind of downshifted a bit, really took a different step in, a, in another direction and started making a family, and so right. things changed a bit. But it was a great opportunity to work on that level with such an accomplished doctor. Do you think it's tough to try to move yoga into programs like that with, you know, in the medical community or in the healthcare world, is there a resistance to that? Is it, is it too foreign of a concept to in, to introduce that? Would you, is it more? Would you, do most people consider yoga fitness? I think in a way. So how mm -hmm. does it? How do you convince that world of science that yoga is good? Mm. Well, it's always great when you have somebody who isn't well and gets well through yoga. Of I course, mean, that's right. always the great, the experience, that's... experiential. But um, I mean, at this point in the game, I mean, this is 20 years ago, right? right, right. And so we've come a really long way. Right. And I think yoga and meditation, I'm going to take a little credit, I think due to Yoga Zone, you know, because yeah. everybody was like, oh my gosh, how can you do that? That's terrible to put that on TV and how will it ever be contained and you can't watch people. And it was like, we're going to get this out there so that it becomes more of something that's familiar and it won't be so scary. And it's right. something that feels more um, culturally acceptable, right? And yeah. so, so just the ease and the familiarity of all of it is the first place right. where it doesn't feel so foreign. And so that's, I think, taken down a lot of fear of it being something strange. And so now, so many people are seeing the benefits and um, not wanting to go into anxiety, depression, medications, and using this as an alternative, and then going back to their doctors or going back to, to their therapists and saying, you know, I'm really getting, I'm getting some benefit from this. Right. And so, I mean, so it, I, I think it's kind of undeniable that that the results are showing the medical establishment that there's there's something to this and it's not always so quantifiable so much as they they can you know measure it in a way because it, sometimes it goes against what what the prognosis might be which is right. disturbing to the <laughs> the scientists, right. wait a minute, this doesn't fit with my data right. <laughs> or my 
presumption of how this should unfold. I agree that Yoga Zone did kind of popularize it yeah. to people, and that's that it did that for me, mm-hmm. um, because it was just in you know, I grew up in the Midwest, so yoga had already been adopted for a long time in a lot of bigger cities, but it didn't make its way to the Midwest in the Southeast for a long time. And I, I think that really uh, went a long way to get people to see it in a, maybe not a, a commercial platform like it's become. That's probably the, the wrong word to use, but I think it does, uh, you know, it does open people up to the fact that this is, this is something we can now include. And, mm. you know, it uh, becomes part of, part of how you grow up and what you're used to seeing. Um, so I find all that fascinating, how to you know implement that into the medical community and how to do more with it. If you were to define in just a few sentences, really how you would define yoga as, it's, obviously it's physical, it's exercise, it's breathing, it's mental work. How would you, what would your quick synopsis of yoga mm. be? How would you define it? That's a great question. I mean, I could say that, you know, in the books, the most popular definition would be the goal of yoga is to still the movement of the mind. But why do, like, I would always ask, well, why do I care about that? What's that going to do for me? How is that useful, right? And in the 30 years of practicing and where I am at this moment, you quiet the static and the programming and the chatter and then you tap into the intuitive, you tap into something beyond anything that you've learned, you tap into something much bigger. And so, again, is that the definition of yoga or is that the goal of yoga? That's the experiential. Right. For me, to understand something, I have to embody it. And so I love, that's what I love about yoga as far as a spiritual path, as far as an emotional path, as far as a, an art, as far as, um, a science of daily living, a way of it being a lifestyle. It's just a gorgeous way to really, I think, begin to step into your potential, to deepen your connection to nature, to deepen your connection to yourself and your relationships to others. And uh, I feel so blessed to have had that in my life. and. But, I mean, we could say the linking of the body, breath, and mind, right, would be a really nice way um, to create a, a harmony and a balance. But, but that's just on the individual level. And so what's happened more in these past seven years with what my work with the indigenous people and more with nature is that what, I've, what it's expanded into is to see the oneness of all things, to see that they're to me, that really is, in some ways, the true goal <laughs> of yoga is, is to experience and to feel the oneness of all things, that, that there isn't a difference um, between us and nature. You mentioned your work with the indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Mm. Well, um, I feel like I prepared my whole life for that That. Um, time <laughs> now just to just to, to jump in for one moment sure. I think to many listeners out there when we talk about indigenous peoples I think a lot of people would immediately jump to your work with Native American Indians mm-hmm. 
but that's not this case. Well, some it's, it's, it is some, some and um, just yeah. I mean, um, it's an interesting you know, it's a it's an interesting topic, right? <laughs> because on some level, we can say that we're we're all indigenous, right? Like we all really, but. But the common understanding is that would be people who have, um, I can say, been here first, right? Been right. here first, and so they and and then traditional indigenous people would be ones that hold on to the culture that was given to them and handed down, and have lived according to those traditions. And there's so many, and um, and so through my relationship with the tracking project and um, my former partner, John Stokes, I was exposed to uh, a vast understanding of, of this, this um, cultural exploration and, and something like a remembrance. And I, I can't put words to it or truly explain what this deep connection was because it wasn't anything that I had ever thought about or was drawn to. It just kind of it fell into my lap and and I loved that because it, I wasn't desirous of it. It just revealed itself and so that was very exciting. And so um, I was introduced to, um, um, to some of the teachings of the Mohawk tradition, the Thanksgiving address, and started to actually put that into a practice and say these words of gratitude creation every day and then I would have experiences. So it reminded me of my early days of my yoga practice where I would have these I would do a practice and I have these beautiful and amazing spiritual experiences. And so that was the similar kind of, and that was always a track for me to, to know that I was moving in the right direction. There would, there would always be a feedback loop of, oh, something really profound is happening here. And so I continue to follow that. And, and so um, most recently uh, I was introduced to the, um, they call themselves the people of the earth, and it's uh, four tribes from Colombia, the Kogi, the Wiwab, the Arwaku, and the Kankwamu. And I've been um, working with them for the past, I would say six years on and off. And now, um, uh, we just recently come back from Colombia, and we are just um, been approved to hold um, uh, a gathering to pass their teachings on to our students and that has been something that's just absolutely it's such an honor to be able to hold space for that and to share their wisdom and their teachings and you know the truth is that they wouldn't even call them teachings they would say that what they're sharing are remembrances and what was so exciting to me was to see <laughs> what they were sharing was so close to so many teachings of yoga and also they bring in <laughs> which we haven't really discussed very much but um, kind of the some of the techniques in the 12-step tradition which was also <laughs> very very interesting to me because I thought you know the farthest reaches of the planet here these people were talking about giving up resentments and negativity and 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 uh, then that was going to be the way that we were going to heal the planet. And I thought, wow, that's a lot like the way that they talk about it in the 12-step tradition. I thought that was interesting. Tell me about the term original instructions. Mm. 
That's a great term. So like in yoga, uh, they'll say that we've forgotten. You know, we've forgotten who we are. And the whole practice is to wake up the energy that's kind of dormant at the base of the spine, the kundalini shakti. And through these different practices, we awaken this energy and it moves up the spine and it moves up into the third eye and you become enlightened. And so in that sense, through yoga, that would be kind of a remembrance of your original instructions to a degree. And from my understanding of, of the indigenous is that each group or tribe or community would be given a certain set of responsibilities. Like, you know, we talk about our rights, our rights, and they're like, yes, you have rights, but you also have responsibilities. What as a group, what as humans are we responsible to be doing here on the planet? Because we're always taking everything. We're always taking the resources. We're always, every day, we're, we're taking food, we're taking oil, we're taking this, we're taking water, we're taking, right? Everything. And so what are we to give back? What are we supposed to be doing? And each of us have a particular responsibility and in yoga they could call that your dharma right your highest purpose of right. what you're here to be in service to what's your calling and so you can kind of have that on a group level but you can also have it on a on an individual level of waking up to what your agreement is with higher power source mother earth whoever you call the divine right and to remember what is it that you are the only one that can fulfill and to me, that's what original instructions are, is that I wake up to that in my remembrance. Great. That's great. Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> what's happened for you is having this, this long career in yoga and what you've developed with this and where you've taken this is beyond what most people ever do with it. Mm. And, you've, and then in your work with the indigenous, all of this has gone to sculpt and craft your latest project your company mm. nonprofit company yay <laughs> shade tree center mm -hmm. so tell me about shade tree center what mm. is it where is it what are you going to be doing with it so shade tree stands for sacred healing earth arts and i was so inspired by what the tracking project was doing out in new mexico i wanted to bring that to new york and i wanted to blend and be of service and bring that idea of honoring nature and honoring ancient wisdom that the, that the indigenous hold and preserving that and blending in and kind of having a, we'll call it a strategic alliance with um, the yoga community because I felt like they could understand it and hear it and also the 12 step community. And so I felt like all of these three groups um, would be able to hear each other and understand each other. And, and then because of the sacred healing earth arts, my understanding, and that again also comes through from the tracking project, comes through from, um, comes through from yoga, comes through uh, with the indigenous people, because I feel like the arts are an amazing way to channel our difficulties and one of my favorite teachers who's not a yogi she's actually a dancer um, Gabrielle Roth who's not with us any longer but I studied with her for years and she would say turn your suffering into art and I just thought I love that and so storytelling or sacred movement or 
visual arts or, I mean, right, the gamut of how we would use those um, techniques as a way, as, as an offering. And I always like to think of it as transforming something that maybe was very negative in life and making that as an offering, just the way that like good compost can grow some beautiful things in the garden. All of our past can be used for healing. And so the sacred healing earth arts, to use all these tools in service to healing and then growing something more beautiful out of it is truly what shade tree is in service to. And so we have um, a center that grew out of Garrison, New York. And uh, that's kind of the base. And then we have a center in Manhattan on 61st in York. And soon we will have a place out on the beach in the North Fork of Long Island. And so we're really growing all kinds of branches. I'm I'd really say excited. so. <laughs> and will you be staying local to New York or will this have a wider reach over time? That's the vision. All right. That's good. <laughs> and, and in these locations, you, will, you have different types of programs and classes and workshops and things of that nature that people can take. Classes, workshops, retreats, one-day retreats. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And how can people find out about Shade Tree Center? So there's a website, which is shadetreecenter.org. Yes. And then you're also social media. So you're Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You have yeah. all, the, all those things, all Shade Tree Center. Yes. Yeah. And so then exciting. people can see you at Lisa Bennett on Instagram and on Facebook, I believe, right? Absolutely. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> Thank you. Now, are there any last words you want to leave with us? Mm. What's the, what's the future hold? The future holds is how we're going to live our lives in a new way to heal ourselves and to help heal our planet. As we wake up and we do our own internal and spiritual work, we want to help support people in their own healing, connecting to their own inner nature, and connecting to nature. And if we get everybody on that same page, We'll be able to save the planet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, uh, you heard it, folks. That's what we have to do. Let's, let's all get it together. Lisa, thanks for being on the Aww. podcast. And let's uh, let's do this again, because obviously I want to get into other topics, you know, spirituality and religion, because you know my, my thing with metatomics. And I didn't want to get into it too much in this, because I really wanted to talk about your stuff. But please come back for another episode, and let's... Let's do a deep dive into religion and spirituality. Can't wait. Thank you so much, Todd. Thanks, Lisa. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. There you have it. My interview with Lisa Bennett. The end of my first podcast for Quest. Bear with me while I work out some of the technical issues and bugs and mic volumes and all those things that uh, come with this. I have a lot of great uh, interviews coming up. A uh, wide variety of things happening in the weeks and months to come. Uh, like I said at the open, uh, I am releasing these out of order. Some of these were done uh, in the fall of last year. Some were done in the winter. Some were done right before COVID happened. So I'm kind of releasing them uh, in a different way, but I'm excited to, uh, to have you uh, tune in and hear what I have to say and who I'm talking to. So I really appreciate you listening. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Quest. Please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content. And make sure to pick up a copy of the book that started a spiritual revolution, Metatomics, The Grand Design, available for sale online and at most major bookstores. Thanks for listening.